Anyway, good morning, everybody. Um, it's really a real privilege for me to have the opportunity to share um, the first message, even though we have already. And for those of you who didn't catch us online on, on the f Sunday the 1st, I really want to encourage you to go and watch that service because it's really a time when Hilton Jin and the rest of the team were able to share a little bit of what they felt God was laying on their hearts for the church for 2023. And not that it now, at the end of 2023, that ends, but there's just something that, that God wants to stir in our hearts as a church. And so I really encourage you, go and catch that service online, and you just be able to pick up what God is wanting to do in our midst this year. And I can tell you that I believe that if we raise our expectancy, God is going to do something so amazing that it will blow your mind. But coming here this morning, I thought, how, I wonder how many people who came or here this morning, I'm not saying you weren't, but who came into this place today expecting God to do and say something. Did we come in with an expectancy or did we come in, well, we're going to church, it's the first Sunday of church, we better be there, and then we make sure that we're there, and then maybe next week we will see if we're there, and then maybe a month down the road, well, you know, we've done our first Sunday thing. But I'm trusting and believe that God wants us to be so expectant. And I am expectant for God to release something in your life, to do something in your life today that changes the trajectory of your life. And I don't say those words lightly because we can become very clever in the way that we say. You know, Paul said, I do not preach with fine-sounding arguments and with wisdom of man, but I come preaching in the demonstration of the Spirit's power. And so we can, you, can, you can get a great word today with three points, and, 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 and it could be homiletically, it can be correct in the way that it is delivered, or whatever it may be, but I'm trusting God for a life change. We're, we're not just coming into a place, I'm not saying you do, I'm just, I'm just putting it out there with a challenge. Raise your challenge of expectation to yourself today and say, God, I'm trusting you, whatever the word is, I want to open my heart to be able to receive that which you're wanting to do in me today and in us as a church. And so the first preach of this year was the team sharing what God had put in their hearts. And um, I had mentioned in what I felt God had laid on my heart for us as a church today was three C's. God was wanting to speak about covenant, community and commitment. And simply because of time, I do not have time to speak about covenant. Because if you understand the covenant of God, you cannot stay the same. And so I wanna encourage you that even though you join and hop onto the Read the Bible in One Year program, that you add to that perhaps a little bit more of a study of what being in covenant with God actually means. And so I'm not really going to spend too much time on that. In fact, I'm spending no more time than I just have. But I am going to spend more time on the next two, which is community and commitment. And I really believe that this is something that God, I mean, this is, I always preach out of the book of Acts. And I think for, for those who, who know me and have been around me for a period of time know that you can, that I, this has been my swan song going on since 19, I cannot even remember. And I'm just I hope, great, you're glad Ed's not here because he'll have some clever comment about 19 something. But 
I really believe that God wants us to step into a place of being such an expression of what he wants the church to be because that's what the world needs right now. And you and I are part of being that expression. But what he's going to do in order to bring about that expression is there's going to be a little bit of a disruption that starts to take place in our lives. Because he wants us to return to a pattern that he set out for us in the word of God more than 2,000 years ago. And so we're going to be looking at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, the in-between Acts 3, and whatever else God wants to say to us this morning. But just for a quick context, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, we're not going to look at that scripture, they put it up already, but we don't, I can give you a quick context to that scripture. You can leave it up. No, take it down because people read it. A quick context of Acts chapter 2 is this, that Jesus had risen from the dead, he descended to heaven, and 10 days later, the apostles and the disciples, about 120 people are gathered in the upper room, they're getting together, they're praising God together, they're worshiping God together, they're just experiencing community together. And in that place, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, he fills them, and they all start to speak in other languages. That was just a demonstration of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. The people around them are so taken aback by what's going on that they start to accuse them of being drunk. And they say, this group of people, there's such chaos going on there that these people must be drunk. And so the apostle Peter has to get up and he says, these guys are not drunk as you would suppose they are. He said, but they have experienced the spirit of God, which gives them an opportunity to start to preach the gospel. And in that he starts to say that we need to repent. We need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. We need to turn away from sin. And so he preaches the gospel in that situation. They, they say, when you do a little bit of research, they say it was actually a day later that 3,000 people committed their lives to Christ because of Peter's preaching. I'd love that. One sermon, one get up, repent, be baptized, turn from your wicked ways so the times of refreshing may come. And 3,000 people get saved. Unfortunately, we live in a society today where people don't want to hear that message, and yet that's the transformational message of Jesus. A life that gets turned around because the Spirit of God has come upon people. And so holy chaos breaks out. 3,000 people get saved. But the thing that I want to draw your attention to in this is what was the result of people receiving Jesus? What was the result of people making that commitment? When they said, I put up my hand, you know, like sometimes we pray, or I don't know how many years ago, people sitting in this place today, you made a commitment to receive Jesus. What was the result of them making that commitment? And we can read this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is community. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes 
and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so the outworking of an encounter with the Holy Spirit, an outworking of a commitment to ma making a commitment to Jesus was this. Because the evidence of it was, and this is the pattern that God was setting out right at the beginning of what he wanted the world to see when they looked at his church. This is what God wants the world to see when, he looks, when the world looks at the church. People who are devoted to one another, who break bread together, who, who enjoy one another's company, who have got one another's backs, where unity is probably prime in everything they do, but there's a devotion and a commitment. There's no needy among them, and we're gonna to get to that in a minute. But this was not the norm. It was not the norm. It was not typical. It was not usual for people to be devoted to teaching with such fervency. It was not normal for people to be devoted to one another with such commitment. It was not normal for people to have everything in common. It was not normal for people who had things to take those things, sell them, and give to people who were in need. It was totally contrary to the way that people would operate. And yet God was setting that as the pattern after the preached word, after the reception of the Holy Spirit in people's lives, the outworking of that, the expression of community was this. A devotion, a commitment, a heart that is completely changed. It was not normal. It was not normal for people to sell property so that there were no needy among them. And just as a side note, I do want to say that when they sold property and they gave to people who were in need, it did come with a requirement. The recipient, there was a requirement. It wasn't just a handout. It wasn't an Oprah moment. You're getting a truckload of cash. You're getting a truckload of cash. You're getting a truckload of cash. Everybody's getting a truckload of cash. It wasn't an Oprah moment. There was an accountability that came when people received. But the point is this, there were no needy among them. That's the point. There were no needy among them. And so there'd been such transformation that it happened in people's lives that God set that as part of what the pattern of the church should be and what we should look like. And you know what, 10, 15, 20 years later, Paul writes about it in Galatians chapter six. He says, so then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. Not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes the spiritual well-being and especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith, born-again believers. Now, what strikes me about this, this was written 10 years, probably 20 years after this occurrence that I've just explained to you. And so Paul is reminding the church, remember, this is how we need to conduct ourselves. And the thing that gets me there is so often we are very quick to jump to a situation of where we meet a need out there. But according to the word, Paul says, make sure that there are none needy among you. 
And he is not only talking about physical spirit, he's not only talking about material need, he's talking about spiritual need. He's talking about making sure that, that we encourage one another, that we grow, that people grow spiritually. And so again, an expression of what God wants to see patterned in his church. You see, it was not normally normal for them to meet together every day. Well, we do what, and if we call a prayer meeting once a month or once every six weeks, and people are like, whoa. It was not normal for them to fellowship in unity, not conformity, unity. The next account is this in Acts chapter 4. Now, between Acts chapter 2, where you see the Holy Spirit comes, there's an expression of the, in the church, there's such an expression of the power of God where there's no needy among them. People sell houses, they fellowship together, they all love one another, right? It's also just a reference to what Jesus said, they'll know you, my disciples, for your love for one another. Our love for one another. But so in Acts chapter 3, and Colin alluded to this when he was sharing on, on New Year's Day. In Acts chapter 3, we have Peter and John going to the temple. And there's a lame man, and he cries out to them. And basically, I need, we need to give you quick context here, not an Adele paraphrase. That basically what happens is they see the lame man. They say, silver and gold we do not have. We don't necessarily always have to give money. But what we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. The lame man gets up and he walks. And so they carry on preaching the gospel. This causes absolute chaos, especially amongst the religious people of the day. The religious rulers, the Sadducees, the, the people who were around at the time, anybody who had anything to say because they were gaining popularity because of this person, Jesus. And so what happens is they get thrown into prison. In Acts chapter 4, they arrest Peter and John, and they say, you need to stop preaching about this Jesus. I mean, can you believe that people don't want to see people healed? That people don't want to be so restored and come, come into a place of wholeness and health that they threaten them and say, you need to stop preaching about Jesus. But Peter and John, not moved, not threatened, face off, with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees, with the religious leaders of the day, they say, we will obey God, we will not obey men. And their observation is this. They see them, and this is their observation. They say, when they saw Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And so because of that intimacy, the covenant that had taken place in individual people's lives, they were unmoved by any threat, any interrogation, any opposition, they were unmoved. And so already there we see again an outworking of what God wanted to see happen in people's lives. But again, the outworking of that and the result of that was this. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. No needy persons 
among them. For from time to time, those who owned houses and land sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, and they think this is the same Barnabas that helped and took Paul, the apostle Paul, under his wing, he sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. None of this was normal. A holy disruption had taken place in people's lives. A holy disruption had taken place in people's lives. Jesus disrupted their way of life to such an extent that the individual person was almost unrecognizable. And I believe, church, the enemy has stolen that expression of the Spirit of God in our lives when we make a commitment to Jesus, the expression of a total life, a holy disruption, where I no longer am concerned about people around me, where that all that concerns me is that people, that there's no needy among us, that we work in a situation of where we are devoted to one another, that we see lives transformed, broken people healed, the hopeless given hope. That was the outworking of people receiving Jesus. A holy disruption of their lives, because when Jesus came into their lives, in the person of the Holy Spirit, they were not the same. They could not be the same. He disrupted their workplace. He disrupted business. He disrupted their families in, all, in a holy disruption. He caused people to tra- treat each other completely differently. They weren't prepared to just go along with the status quo. This is how we do it. They weren't prepared to accept anything less than what God had for them, than how God wanted them to behave how God wanted them to treat one another, how they treated their co-workers, how they treated their, their, their workers, how bosses responded to those who work for them. I heard something today that absolutely, yesterday, absolutely devastated me. I shouldn't even be going down this rabbit trail because I'm getting distracted. But I want to say this about people who, who, who employ people. Don't rob from them. Because God is gonna hold you to account for that. I know somebody who works, I don't actually even wanna go there. All I wanna say is that I pray that God brings about a holy disruption in your life that you cannot but be compelled to pay people who do things for you, probably more than yourself. Now, Now I might be, you know, do you hear what I'm saying? That's when something has changed. And not squeeze the last bit of blood out of somebody. This person's asked to walk, work an entire day. Early hours to six at night, never get to see their family, and they get paid a hundred rand a day. I felt sick. But you know what? They haven't had a holy disruption. And unfortunately, that can be the testimony of some, of some. But Jesus brought about a holy disruption. He disrupted everything. 
And he started to reshape and realign through the disruption. Whitney Johnston says this, Johnson says this, she says, disruption is the gateway to opportunity. Disruption is the gateway to opportunity. The question I ask is imagine the opportunities that we can walk into financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally, every Lee, that if we allow disruption to come into our lives, to realign ourselves with what the Word of God says. The opportunities that God will give us to be an expression of His heart. And I speak to myself when I say this. We cannot continually say yes, but to justify unholy action, to justify unrighteous living, to justify a lack of generosity. Yes, but imagine the opportunity because disruption is the gateway to opportunity. Disruption is, comes about through growth. How many of you know that when you grow, when you grow, as I know, it's disrupt my clothing size? <laughs> Seriously. But when anything grows, there's an expansion. Not so? When anything is disruptive, growth is disruptive. But that brings about expansion. I was lying in bed this morning, I was thinking about this and thought, oh, maybe I should do this, maybe I shouldn't. But I'm gonna do it anyway, like Ed said. He did it anyway. Do you remember that thing about, what is, here is, what, what's it, how's it go, Vali? Here's a God, this is the church. Here's the church, here's the steeple, here's the doors, and there's all the people. I got it a bit wrong, but anyway. But, but when you do that, there's all the people. It's enlarged. Growth is disruptive. And I do not believe that there's one person sitting in this room today that does not want to grow. In whatever area of your life, there's not one of us that does not have capacity to grow. If you have got to the place of where you no longer want to grow, please come and lay hands on me. Because I want to have that gift that you've received. But disruption is the gateway to opportunity. Light disrupts darkness. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So there's something that he puts on us and is looking to us in, in relation to his church, the same way as he came upon that, the group of believers gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, when they got filled with the Spirit of God, that light that was in them broke darkness. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. Let your light shine. Disrupt. Bring about a holy disruption in your workplace. 
bring about the kingdom of God into that space. Disrupt the way, bring about a holy disruption to your speech. Turn the negative into a positive. The moment the negative wants to come out of your mouth, cause a holy disruption and say, no, I'm gonna disrupt this and let life come out of me and not death. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. So God wants a holy disruption to grip his church in 2023. And I believe it's gonna happen. Because one of the greatest things when you're preaching a word is to get confirmation, and I'm gonna get there in a minute. But I wanna say this, that in Matthew chapter eight, verse 27, the Bible speaking about Jesus, he just calmed the storm. He got up, there was a storm, and he calmed the storm. But the Bible says this, it says, who is this man that speaks to the waves that they obey him? Jesus had brought about a holy disruption of nature. He, he brought about a holy disruption that disrupted a natural storm. He was able to stand up in the boat and say, peace, be still. And I believe, church, it's time that we start to bring about a holy disruption and calm some storms in the society in which we live at the moment. <laughs> Not anarchy. <laughs> Through prayer. Let anything just go wrong, and this place is full with people. Not just this place, prayer. And that's where we take on. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of this dark age. That's how we bring a holy disruption, by praying against the rulers and the principalities and the powers and the rulers of this dark age. That is what we do in order to bring about change. We all want change. Disrupt the atmosphere in the spirit and we'll see change. Paul said the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And so we need to be hearing people say, who is this Ed? Who is this Mike? Who is this, who is this Sam? Who is this Roger? Who is this Pam who speaks like this, who acts like this, who gives like this, who cares like this, who loves like this? Who is this person filled with the Spirit of God? That's what we need to be hearing people say about us so that when we get together, there's a power and an authority where we can come together and bring hope to the hopeless. Who is this person? And I believe that in 2023, God is gonna bring about such a holy disruption of our lives that if we allow him to, that we will not recognize ourselves. So what I shared in the first service was in our commitment, we need to be all in. All in. All in, be a divine disruptor. Shake up the status quo. We don't know what this year is gonna hold. We have no idea. We came into 2019, we had no idea. We came into 2020, we were all like 2020, the year of plenty. We had no idea. 
2021, 2022. We do not have any idea, but what I do know is the one who knows. And I wanna align myself and be in that place where I'm saying, God, your desire is for us to be this pattern and representation and expression of what you patterned for us right back there 2,000 years ago, that there was unity, there was a devotion, there was a commitment, there was love, there was everything, there was healing, there was signs and wonders. Colin spoke about it when he was sharing. And Tony spoke about the name of Jesus. Ed was speaking about it. Hilton Jin is speaking about it. Signs, wonders, miracles. But that can only come about when we allow God to bring about a holy disruption in our lives. We're prepared to say, God, no more do I want to live the status quo. Come in and bring about a holy disruption. Let there be a holy disruption of the way we treat our spouses our children, our friends, our family, our peers. Let there be a holy disruption in the way we do business. Let's do it God's way. I have to say this, I'm running out of time, but I have to say this, marketplace. Dave Hodgson, whose material that we're gonna be covering in this year in marketplace, every Friday morning, 6.30, that's just my punt quickly. He said this, we met with him in Cape Town and he said this and it was a profound revelation. He said, South Africa, you, and he's a billionaire. He's applied God's principles, he does business God's way, no matter what the cost. He doesn't try to do the tax man, try and make as much as he can, he gives as much as he can. And he said this, South Africa, you have spent years and years and years. You have gathered together in stadiums and prayed. Second Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And he said, you've done that. He said, but your land is not healed. He said, but if you go and study the context of that entire portion of scripture, not just that portion, that book, it's got to do with how we do business how we handle our finance. And he, he doesn't hold, he doesn't pull, he just says it straight up. He said, the problem is, it says turn from your wicked ways. And God was speaking to his people. And he was saying, the problem is we've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and said, God heal, God heal. We've repented of racism. We've repented of this, we've repented of that. But we have not maybe turned away from wicked financial business ways. Let God bring about a holy disruption so that that disruption will open doors to opportunity in your business. Be all in, church, because God has got so much for you. He's given us the pattern. The result was Acts 2. The result was Acts 4. And that is what God is wanting to see modeled in us and through us as the church. And I pray and have been praying that us open skies
every campus will model and pattern Acts 2, 42 and 4.32 because then the world will know. As I said earlier, it really is comforting when you receive confirmation of what you're wanting to preach. And so I'd finished preparing and then I came across two things. One, to encourage you and the next year to confirm that God is wanting to bring about a holy disruption. The first is this, and this was Christine Kane. This is how we have to see our lives. What we do in this season matters. What we say in this season matters. What we pray in this season matters. What we read in this season matters. What we think in this season matters. What we learn in this season matters. What we release in this season matters. What we believe in this season matters. What we give in this season matters. Your life matters. You are the answer. You. You are the light of the world. You are the answer to our country. What you pray in this season matters. And then I came across this word and it's by a respected, he's respected around the world as a prophetic voice. And this is Chris Vallotton from Bethel Church. And he'd, he'd, he'd got this word at the beginning of the year. And I didn't even know this until I'd finished preparing and I found this. I was scrolling through Instagram. The time has come for a holy disruption. For the rough places to become smooth and the crooked places made straight until Christ is in his rightful place in our lives and in the church. There are holy disruptions coming and earthquake in the spirit that will change the trajectory of the world. This will redefine the epicenter of nations, usher in the fear of the Lord and release acts of grace over many nations. A holy disruption is coming. I want to get there. Where is it, Lord? And I want to say this just to close. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. I'm saying, Lord, Lord, let there be a holy disruption. I pray, church, that you would allow him to do it. 
so that our community is an expression of what He wants it to be. Our commitment is an expression of what He wants it to be. Let us allow Him to bring about a holy disruption. You may have come into this place today and first time you possibly have been in church, friends may have brought you, or, but you've never taken that first step, which is to repent, to be baptized, and to receive Jesus, to acknowledge that He is the Son of God, that He died, that He rose again, and that He's coming back. I want to give you that opportunity to say, Adele, I need, I need this God. When Peter had got up and preached, they they cried out to him and said, what must we do to be saved? And I would like to give you that opportunity today to say, Adele, what must I do to be saved? If that's you today, the first time you've come into this place, won't you just raise your hand? Just bow your heads, everybody, just so that we can have a bit of... If that's you, you've come into this place today, you've never... Just raise your hand, show me where you are. Say, I need to pray that prayer. I need something happening in my life. Thank you, God bless you. Thank you, God bless you. Let's all just pray this together. Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the Son of God. That you died and rose again on the third day. and that you are coming back. I acknowledge that you shed your blood to cleanse me of all sin. Today I repent. I receive the gifts of eternal life. And I thank you in Jesus' name.